Welcome to 20% Time, a podcast from the team at Titan, a web development consultancy that specializes in Laravel, Vue, React, Livewire, all kinds of stuff. My name is Dave Hicking, and I'm here once again with my amazing co-host, Susanna. Susanna, how are you doing today? I'm very good. Thank you, Dave. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. It's been a little while since we recorded. Everybody yeah. wants to know the weather update on our recordings. <laughs> this is a very important part of the pre-show. Um, it has turned cold here in Connecticut, I'm sad to say. Um, it's cold. Yeah. yeah. First dusting of snow. You know, we're at the we're at the part of the year where you're, you know, you remotely starting it. your car. And no, no, I don't. <laughs> no, it's all good. And, and, th and things are going well with you. It's freezing. It's cold. It's miserable. It's England. You know, what can I say? It's England. I mean, we've had good weather yeah. for a long time or for the large part of the year. We've had really good weather. So I can't really complain. It's like the end of November and it finally turned cold. So it is what it is. Back to the standard British weather. Speaking of coming in from the cold, I can only imagine that our guest today <laughs> is has already experienced the brunt of, I don't know, it's like late, I know we're still in fall, but I feel like for parts of the northern United States, we're, it's, I just call it pre-winter. Like, I don't know what else to call it. Uh, today we are joined by our very special guest, Ben Holman. Ben, you are the, I want to make sure you get your title right, you are the CTO of the Boutique Hub, is that correct? That's correct. Excellent. That's a good to know, considering Ben was a client of ours for about a year and a half. You'd think I would know his official title. I think title. you may have known that already, Dave. <laughs> ben, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I am happy to be here hanging out with you two. Excellent. And uh, to join in with the weather report, Ben, is the, is the weather also cold where you're at? Yeah. So we had a wonderful fall and it, it ran late, which was great. And now we have tripped and fallen directly into winter mm. and it's feeling cold and snowy <laughs> and dark. So we're in it now. My uh, my father-in-law is currently in the uh, the woods in southwestern Wisconsin uh, deer hunting with his with his relatives. So um, I'm sure he came at just the right time of year when it is very cold. <laughs> oh, perfect. That's, yeah. that's good deer hunting weather. There you, you know? go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just excited because he's coming back with cheese curds. When he when he returns on yeah I'm picking up at the airport uh, Tuesday night and I'm just going to be like hand over the cheese curds Ed cheese curds I was just thinking oh yeah venison sticks of course just Susanna Susanna's like cheese curds what are what is that well tell me I don't know now a different topic I think we should go over the cheese curd situation in Wisconsin you should know by now whenever we talk we never stay on topic so tell me about cheese curds please before we move on to all about deer hunting. <laughs> and I don't know what else. <laughs> Suddenly, this is a really Wisconsin podcast, yeah, I guess. this is great. So, cheese curds. Wisconsin is famous for, I'll say it, having the best cheese mm, around. Wow. And particularly cheese curds, mm -hmm. which are typically mozzarella or cheddar. And they're small little nuggets, like mm -hmm. bite-sized nuggets. But they're not like cubes of cheese. They're not sliced off a larger block. Mm. They are created in this nugget shape. And typically, you want to eat them very fresh, particularly mozzarella curds. And you'll want to eat them maybe the same day they were created. And they're huh. squeaky and delicious. And oh, I don't like squeaky else. cheese. Ah. The Wisconsin, the Wisconsinites <laughs> love the squeak. Um, ben, do you prefer oh, do you do you prefer your curds at room temperature? Yeah, that's yeah. very yeah. You know your curds, Dave. <laughs> yeah. They're squeakier it's, at room temperature. It's almost like I married really? into a family from Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> I and then the best part is squeaky. we. Ugh. <laughs> okay, I have a solution for you. The best part about curds is you can deep fry them. Yes. And if you do it properly, 
Then you have this molten cheese, almost like a fondue wrapped in breading and deep fried. And it's so mm. delicious. And it will make you regret every curd you ate. Yeah. Because it's very difficult to stop, but they're really delicious. Oh no, we do fried cheese. Fried cheese. I mean, what you're describing to me, do you know Baby Bell? Have you got Baby Bell in the US? Yeah, we've got Baby it's Bell. It's like, yeah, you know, the first time I came, okay, I'm going to say it embarrassing story but anyway when i came to the uk i didn't know anything about many things and i didn't know about baby bells so i saw all i knew it was that was cheese and you know it's in this waxy red cover yeah, thing great. i thought you're supposed to eat it all so i ate it all and also oh. while some people told me you're supposed to peel it and you only eat the cheese inside so that's my baby bell so story you, that's wrapped in wax right like a red yeah. wax yeah Yes, yeah. I just thought, because, you know, some cheeses are of different colors. I thought this is what it's supposed right. to look like. So I ate it all. And I, it was, I mean, edible. <laughs> I'm still here. So I'm, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you made it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, cheese. I like cheese, but it cannot be squeaky. And we do do fried cheese. We do fried cheese in Czech. It's quite popular, actually. But we fry, mm -hmm. uh, how do you say it? Adam? Adam cheese? E-D-A-M? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's like European kind of cheese. I don't know. Like a slice thick maybe one centimeter uh thick slice of cheese oh, and sure, then you sure. also cover it in this breadcrumbs egg and stuff and fry it so that's quite a typical czech dish fried cheese is it like a cube a one uh, no it's cube, no no, no like it's much a big bigger slice well not okay not that big i mean if people saw <laughs> i don't know it's about <laughs> i don't know that <laughs> gigantic slice of cheese so your ratios well, are different so okay i got it yeah Sounds interesting. I mean, I will definitely try your cheese skirt and see if it's any special. I'm sure it is. Mm -hmm. I'm sure. I'm sure it is. But next time you're in the states, we'll get some curds for you. Yeah, I'm. I'm just. I'm gonna add it to my ever-growing list of things I need to try in the US. <laughs> <laughs> cheese skirts on the list. Okay. I was gonna get into a whole side topic about should we just take her to Culver's, but that's a whole other conversation instead. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man, you just brought me right to the top of that rabbit hole and left <laughs> me, Dave. <clears throat> but instead, we have Ben on the show not to talk about cheese curds, although that could be, like Ben said, that could really be a spinoff podcast for, for Titan, where we, okay. we introduce Susanna to different interesting American delicacies. Um, ben, we want to have you on the show today because, first of all, w yes, we worked with you for a long time, but also I wanted to kind of ask you some questions about kind of like your story and boutique hub story and what it's like to, to build uh, a pro, you know, this pretty substantial uh, product using Laravel and Livewire and all kinds of, and all kinds of stuff like that. Just kind of, just kind of dive in and talk about how things have been going, I guess. So can you start by telling us a bit about your background as a developer? How long have you been doing this? Yeah. How did you get into Laravel? So my background goes back a bit. I started with PHP in 2005. Mm -hmm. uh, and started with PHP 4, of course, and worked um, on client websites, like a, a local agency sort of situation. Yeah. And then I spent about nine years as an internal developer for a continuing ed company, also writing PHP. And in that time, I had a little exposure to frameworks, but the culture at those two companies was not really into frameworks. It was more build it yourself sort of place. So I came out of that and had heard about Laravel and was looking for a reason to use it because, of course, the hype about Laravel, mm. even a few years ago, was pretty high. Yeah. Um, so I was looking for a reason to use it. 
and uh, came to my current job where I'd been about five years. And we were doing a lot of like custom WordPress development, uh, custom plugins, custom themes, gluing plugins together, you know, that whole world, like making WordPress do weird and unnatural things. Uh, and then had this large project, the project we're talking about today, yeah. uh, come up. And I knew like, this is absolutely my shot to build a large application in Laravel. This yeah. is it. Yeah. So I started learning it and uh, did a couple small projects, started going through layer casts and building, like rebuilding an old project of mine where I was pretty familiar with the domain mm. and uh, could just reapply what I knew about the domain to the framework and start to learn how things are wired up. So I got into it kind of on my own and then knew I'd need some help to, do, to make this project happen because it is a gigantic project. So I knew I'd be hiring or contracting out, um, and I knew I would be looking for Laravel developers um, and ended up uh, talking to Dan and Keith and getting down that road, yeah. uh, hooked up with Titan. It, it's amazing how many how, how many devs have in their sort of Laravel story, it involves, the, it involves some variation of the phrase, and then I started watching Laracasts. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that was my uh, my first introduction because, of course, you you start Googling around for yeah. how do you learn and typical topics. You get through the docs and then Laracast is sitting right there. It's easy money to spend. It makes so much sense. <laughs> <laughs> so, mm -hmm. yeah, I went through, I think at that point it was a Laravel 6 course mm, okay. um, and built out, I think it's a Twitter clone or something like oh, that. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sure many, many people listening to this podcast have watched that same series, the Laravel 6 from scratch series so that was instrumental so right now you are the cto for the boutique hub and the project that we worked on i don't know if you externally call it this but we called it hubventory can you for yeah. folks who don't know who've never heard of, of of the boutique hub what what exactly is it and what was the what was the sort of big this big laravel application that you just talked about what was that yeah. what was the what was the idea so i'll start with the boutique hub that's yeah. the original business uh, that's been around for i want to say about seven years and i started helping them as a contractor to build up basically a, a membership platform mm. um, because the boutique hub is a community it's a community now of about seven thousand boutique owners wow. um, so you can think of like one of our typical members would be uh the owner of a women's apparel boutique in a small town or sure. downtown dallas or an mm. online boutique just really running the the spectrum of different small apparel shops mostly um and we provide lots of resources for them to help them grow their business. Uh, we help them like learn how to keep their books and how to do marketing on Facebook and how to overcome common obstacles and provide camaraderie for those small business owners because they might be the only boutique owner in their town. Sure. So an online community is really important for them. And being able to talk to people who understand the challenges of their day-to-day -day work life um, so that's the the bulk of the boutique hub, but we also have this idea and we have these members who sell products to boutique owners. So every boutique has to buy their apparel, their accessories, their jewelry from someone, and they mm. buy them from wholesalers. And increasingly that's happening online. Yeah. Uh, historically, it would happen in person, um, which still happens, but more and more it's happening online. And so that was an opportunity for us to start building a marketplace to do the commerce between or facilitate the commerce between those brands that we work with and have built trusted relationships with and the boutique, boutiques who we work with and have trusted relationships with. 
So we're bringing all this community into a basically a third-party wholesale platform um, and facilitating that in unique ways that are beneficial to our particular members. And we're able to respond to their needs. We're able to uh, work with our community to say, what do you need? How could we do better? What can we make easier for you? And then build it out, which is pretty unique. Uh, so if you think about like an Etsy or an eBay, it's a third party where a seller will have a shop and products in that shop, but you can purchase from many sellers at the same time. That's essentially what we're doing at Haventory. Yeah. Uh, just specialized for boutique buyers and wholesale like apparel or jewelry mm. or candle sellers. Is your community mainly in the sorry in the okay. North America or are you international? We are international, but largely North America. I think we're mm. probably about 90 to 95% in North America. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I was sorry, just, go ahead, Dave. I'm sorry, I was just going to say, like, hearing you describe it, like, it's funny, because we were on this project from sort of, you know, early stages and worked along with you. But hearing you describe it, it's like, yeah, that's actually a really big thing to build. Were you um, oh, it's huge. going into it? Were you sort of like, were you intimidated by the size of what you wanted to build? Yeah, I was, uh, to be perfectly frank. Sure. I mean, I would hope project. so almost. <laughs> <laughs> so we want to build an Etsy. Okay. And I'm currently <laughs> the only developer on board that can build that. Okay. Uh, no yeah. problem. How do we start? <laughs> um, One Etsy. You're going to hit the Etsy button. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, my first reaction was like, what has already been built that can do this? Yeah. I think every, every software developer needs to start there. Like, do we really need to build this? Like, does this have to be custom or mm -hmm. can we leverage something else. And it turns out for the the specialty or like the features we wanted to build uh, and the level of customization we needed, custom was the only way to go. But that's a huge undertaking. Yeah. Like we're competing against or like the other brands in our space have large development teams, uh, dozens of developers developers and lots of venture capital money behind them. And we're a relatively scrappy company. My company is about uh, 25 employees. Mm. And so we're kind of an underdog um, trying to do it and bootstrapping it ourselves. So coming into that project, having like a technical left turn for me, and then also just a lot of uncertainty of like, how hard is it actually to build something like that? Like, yeah. Sure, I've done e-commerce. I know how to wire up Stripe. I can understand like the rough shape of this thing, but I know it's going to be a huge project. And there are so many things that we haven't even considered at this point, like at the outset of the yeah. project that we'll have to figure out as we go. So I, I couldn't have told you how long it would take at the <laughs> beginning of that project because we just didn't know what right. it was. We were building a wholesale marketplace, roughly speaking, sellers sell the buyers we move the money around we take a little commission uh we'll make it easy for boutiques that was the spec and so through it's the good it's a good spec following, <laughs> yeah how long will that simple. take simple simple yeah all we gotta do uh so yeah that was that was an undertaking and yeah. i knew i'd have to grow a lot um i'd have to learn a lot of new things yeah. um and i knew there'd be a lot of challenges for me but that's like that's intimidating, but also exciting Like yeah. to be mm -hmm. put in a position as a developer where you get to build something. First of all, totally greenfield from scratch. Um, you get to choose your tech stack. You get to learn your tech stack and you get to hire people to help you do it. Like there are a lot of challenges in that, 
But that is a rare opportunity. And so Mm -hmm. I felt and continue to feel very fortunate that I had that opportunity to build a project of this size and uh, was empowered to invest in people Mm -hmm. and invest in time to actually build the thing. So you mentioned tech stack. So you said you come from PHP background. You wanted to do Laravel thing. What about the rest of the tech that you well you use on boutique hub? I know you use aside from Laravel using LifeWire and Inertia. How did mm-hmm. you decide what you wanted to use? Good question. We were using the tall stack, so Laravel, Alpine, uh, Tailwind, and LiveWire. That's our primary mm-hmm. stack, I would say. Um, just as a short side note, we use Inertia and React uh, to run a Shopify app that's connected mm. with our platform. And so we we have that in our monolith, but kind of tucked away on the side. And Inertia is fantastic. I'm looking forward to an excuse to use it throughout an entire application. Um, right now, it's just handling a few routes there. But the bulk of our project is server-side rendered with the tall stack, and that has turned out to be a great choice. Um, I didn't know it at the outset if it was the right choice. Um, I arrived at that conclusion uh, mostly by following the hype. I'll say mm-hmm. it. <laughs> uh, like I got really excited when I um, saw Caleb uh, demo Liveware. Uh, I think it would have been the 2020 uh, Lyricon. So I think he was demoing Liveware too at that point. Um, and it just clicked for me that that could really help solve a lot of common user interface problems. And I knew that I wasn't going to go um, for a full SPA. Um, And so I was looking for what's a sensible way to do server-side rendered and then bulk up from there. Um, And I chose to avoid the SPA because I can only learn so many things at one time. And I felt like that would be uh, the payoff for taking that dive. was going to be a little too much. So I I wanted to limit like in my comfort zone, but plus a little bit, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. And the server side rendered was right up my alley. And so um, once I found out about LiveWire and what that could do for us, that made a lot of sense. And then honestly, talking to Keith, so um, the beginning of my working relationship with Python yeah. was technical advising with Keith. And um, if you aren't familiar with Keith, he's the man. He's fantastic. We love um, Keith. And he was so helpful to help me grow as a Laravel developer and uh, modernize my skill set, but also to just suss out some basic infrastructure at the beginning of this. So I remember having conversations with Keith, like thinking about using this. How do you feel about it? Do you think it's ready for production? Um, could I use that? Am I going to be tripped up in the future? Um, and he gave me the go ahead. He thought it'd be the right choice to go ahead with Liveware at that point. And I'm really glad that it worked out because it turns out once you start using Liveware in a project, like you start with like a little bit here, a little bit there. And we have ended up doing a lot of Liveware on this. It is all over our code base. Um, so it, I, I owe a lot to Caleb for that particular project um, because it's really enabled us to um, quickly build out more reactive interfaces without writing a lot of JavaScript and um, keeping a lot of things in our PHP. So as time went on, you not only continued to work with Titan all like for a pretty extended period of time, but you also sort of decided to slowly build your own internal team. And then once yeah. those folks started coming online, we operated as one big team. 
Was that mm-hmm. always the plan as you were thinking about hiring folks or did it just kind of work out that way or cuz that's not always, you know, like when we work with 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 companies, sometimes it's like that, but often, you know, oftentimes it's like they bring us in because they've got like a very specific thing they want to build or a specific aspect of a thing and we kind right. of sometimes get handed these little like, oh, here's this little thing, here's this little portion of this or here's this we're throwing this thing over to you and ask a lot of questions right. and, you know. So, how did you get to that to that decision, I guess? Yeah, so I mentioned Keith helping me uh, level up and modernize my uh, my skill set. Um, I had felt like I was falling behind after, like I'd been a develop a PHP developer for fifteen years at that point, um, and I was feeling like I was like not keeping up with the current trends in PHP and most modern practices. And so one of the things I was looking for was um, a team that could help me grow first, and then multiply their knowledge through my work and then the people I hired. But at the outset of the project, I didn't feel qualified to hire a Laravel developer because I didn't have enough experience on my own. So I didn't feel like I'd be able to um, assess their skill set or assess how they'd be able to help me out until I had more time working on the project. So at the beginning, I anticipated working with Titan for a period of time, learning, growing, till I felt competent to do, you know, to, to do my job, um, and then to hire um, an internal team. Um, and what ended up happening is I worked with Titan for about six or eight months, and I then started hiring internal developers. So we now have two other internal Laravel developers on my team and uh, continued to work with Titan. So we ended up with this like combined hybrid team. Yeah. Mm. And it's the best team I've ever worked on, frankly. Like, we had a ton of fun. We totally combined the teams. Like, yeah. weekly meetings involved everyone on the team. Um, I encouraged my team to pair with individual Titan developers. Um, I paired with Titan developers every week. And that growth and just, like, we had a great time working together. It just totally clicked. So that part of it, like, keeping them combined, just kind of, evolved naturally Mm. at that point um we had three titan developers working on the project for months and so it'd be weird to like wall them off as (laughs) i bring on new people who were just learning the project Mm. and so frankly to be able to say to my new hire hey uh i'll pair with you i'll introduce the code but you'll also pair with nathan or anthony um to get up to speed in areas of the app that you're not familiar with yeah um, that's a great way to level up people quickly and really speed up the onboarding process. So it really, really paid off. I would 100% do it that way again. Um, it just, it worked. And I have to give credit, like I give credit to my team members for being open and being the right kind of people to do that. For sure. And give credit to all the Titan developers to be open and generous with their time and not feel protective of the code they'd written or protective of their time and not to be generous with it. So we just had a really positive vibe going with that whole team. And then Zuzana came on at one point and we had an even bigger team and even more pairing (laughs) and even more fun. So we've had, we had a big, a big team at one point. I think it was, it would have been six, seven developers plus Dave. Um, I, I, I did, I did the the least amount possible on this project. I never did commit that first PR, (laughs) which is really unfortunate. You never did. (laughs) Oh, but I didn't. I bagged the 1,000. Was it the 1,000 PR? 
I think I yes, got it. As soon as it was coming up yeah. to 1,000, I just created a yeah. draft PR, although I had nothing to put in it. I just wanted to have the 1,000. So I had like 1,000 draft it. PR, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you've got to do what you've got to do. <laughs> but when you mentioned That's like... Right. Pedigrid, We're up to, I think, 1,800 PRs now. I'm eyeing wow. the 2,000 PR. Oh, wow. That, that 2,000 is going to be... A, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, make a draft one. I'm just... I'm just telling you. Like, <laughs> I think I'm going to make 200 draft PRs oh. and then just claim every number between now and 2,000, maybe. Just in case. It's a pro move. Right there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but you mentioned that you, yeah, you paired with Titan uh, devs. And this is for me and when I joined the team, that was really unusual for me because I've never really had a client wanting to pair mm-hmm. with me. So now I understand, now hearing you talk about it, now I understand why you did it, that you, you were learning, everyone was learning on the job pretty much, you were learning how things were, mm-hmm. so that's why. Um, is it something that you, like in which way, so other than you learning more about the technology, did you find valuable in, a, in any other way, like making this big team of your people, Titan people, other than the technology aspect of it? Okay, this is a hint, you know, our conversations, what we're talking about, <laughs> Every time we paired together, it was hardly about code. It was mainly about what did we discuss <laughs> other than weather? Uh-huh. Cheese curds. Cheese curds. Cheese curds. Yeah, are somehow serious. cheese curds never came up. I don't understand yeah. it, but I'm glad we got there eventually. So I have to say, I um, before this project, I didn't have a lot of pair programming experience. I had worked either as a solo developer uh, or at a company where we we did informal code review but never really sitting down and coding together and again i had heard about pair programming i knew it had its advantages but i just had not practiced it much and uh i had the chance to pair with keith like i mentioned we i'm not sure how many times maybe a dozen times keith and i got together and um, i'd make sure i had something i was stuck on or a question i had about how the framework is put together um, and my goal to go into those means was to always come out with new knowledge or new experience that I could then run with. So at that point, that was very much help Ben learn this framework, help Ben learn how, how to put things together. Um, but then I also had a chance to work with Matt on this project, which is kind of weird from a quirk of Titan scheduling. He was the lead on the project at the very beginning. Yeah. And I was so I was fortunate, like if you get a chance to pair with Matt, like, hang on, you're going to learn some things. And he goes 100 miles an hour. But that was also like, why wouldn't I take the chance to learn from someone so experienced who has deep knowledge of, of Laravel and, and development? So I, at the very beginning of the project, had a big jump start in the value of pairing yeah. for my benefit. And then I found, so I wanted to continue it. Um, I learned so much from every developer on the project. I still learn things um, when I pair. Either we discover them together or someone has a different way of solving a problem that I hadn't thought about previously. So it's it's unusual if I come out of a pairing session without having a new perspective or something different that I wouldn't have considered before. Um, and I also found it to be hugely helpful for sharing knowledge about the application. Mm-hmm. So a little bit about my role. Um, I code as much as I can, which is most of the time not a lot. <laughs> And I spend a lot of time uh, as kind of a, a technical project manager mm. um, working with the non-technical staff to understand business problems, understand like marketing goals, understand what we're trying to accomplish, talking through new features and trying to outline them as best I can. And then 
translating that information back to our development team. And since I have um, the technical knowledge, I also like to sit and like work through the crux of the problems. So I know from the non-technical staff what they're trying mm. to accomplish. And I know as a developer, what's going to be the stickiest part of implementing that. And so I can structure my pairing sessions around, all right, I know you're going to be able to do like 80, 90% of this on your own, but there's going to be one tricky spot. Let's spend our time on that tricky spot and you can work on the rest on your own. So you can bring two brains together to solve the hardest problem. And we can collaborate to figure out based on what I know about the, the, the problem we're trying to solve for the user, what is the best technical solution uh, that we can generate together? So I found pairing to be so useful for yeah. growth, like technical growth, but also just to really speed up the communication of what we're building and how we should build it so that it doesn't get to a, a pull request and then you're having feedback about how it's built. You can get a lot earlier in that process mm -hmm. and collaborate on how to, how to build it out. I got a two-part question for you because I always love um, long, complicated uh, questions. Was okay. <laughs> that's really more two sides of the same coin. W was there anything in particular from an architectural or process point of view that, in retrospect, you wish you had gotten to or, or done earlier in the in the process of of building Hubventory? Or con and then conversely, is there anything you look back on now and go, "I'm so glad we made that choice early because it was the right choice." Mm -hmm. This is. Uh... <laughs> I would rather give you more answers for the first one. Sure, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> the more humble it's, but I don't have that many where I felt like we got in a corner that we couldn't get yeah. out of. Yeah. Um, I had the advantage of knowing this would be a large project from the get-go. Hmm. And so like architecturally, we built it to scale from the beginning, which is not how I'd recommend every project should be built. But we rely heavily on queues. We already split off um, our database server, our cache server, our, our melee search server. They're all ready to be split off into individual servers if we even need to get to that point. We have multiple queue workers, multiple web servers, load balancers. So our server infrastructure is very is already scaled. We built it so that adding a third web server or a third queue worker is no problem whatsoever. Um, so we have the advantage of knowing it'd be large. Um, one, one fantastic decision uh, was Matt recommended putting Marcy on the project. And at the beginning, <laughs> I didn't have uh, an idea of how I was going to build out the front end, yeah. which is not really my strength, but I can do it. It's just painful and the results aren't what they could be. Well, I'll just leave it at that. Sure. Um, so <laughs> we all Matt have strengths. Said, I've got, I've got someone who you should totally hire. And he did a hard sell. Uh, he said, like, you need to get Marcy on this project. You do not have time to do this. And I'm glad he did. He was assertive about it. And he was right. Because uh, we kept Marcy busy for like a year and a half yeah. continuously. And there were times where, so I was always in the role of saying, like, how much longer do we need to contract with Titan? Right. When are we going to get to certain milestones so we can um, open up to more of the public, et yeah. cetera. So I was always looking at my task list saying, like, how many more weeks do I need? Um, of back-end development, how, more, how many more weeks do I need for front-end development? And I, Marcy's queue would trickle down and then fill right back up again, over and over and over. So I'm so thankful that Marcy was on the project from a technical perspective. And you both know Marcy is an absolute gem of a human. She was fantastic. 
just for the overall good times on the project. Yes. Uh, she just brings some light and humor that's uncommon. <laughs> well, and, go ahead. Go on, no, go ahead. No, I was, was going to no, crack Because it. we had the second question. Yeah, why yeah. don't we? Come on, we're not going to let you off the hook. <laughs> <laughs> the part where like we got into a pickle and couldn't get out. Yeah. Anything can, comes to mind? <laughs> no. I'm going to punt that back to you. What do you know? That? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'll ask about this. And uh, if you if you want me to cut this because you don't want to uh, offend any any partners, uh, go ahead. <laughs> Shopify was complicated yeah. to integrate with. Right. Yeah. Was there is there any aspect of that where you're like, either we should have done okay. that earlier. We should have done that differently. We should have done whatever. Do you regret or have yeah. sort of uh, maybe some retrospect retrospective thoughts about that <laughs> oh yeah okay dave i knew i could count on you yeah see this is why i sat in a meeting with you for weeks and weeks and that's months the months. only reason yeah you you know all the challenges we face <laughs> um so shopify uh shopify is a major e-commerce platform that runs most online boutiques i'll say and yeah. many other online commerce they're the big player in the space so one of the features we wanted to build was if a wholesale brand has a Shopify account with thousands of products in it, instead of making them import a CSV file or enter them manually, why don't we just connect the Shopify app and import their products automatically, which is fantastic for the brands. And I totally underestimated how much work that was going to be. So I had experience building one other Shopify app in the past, and it was a lot easier at that time. Mm. The type of app we had to create for Hubventory, the type of Shopify app, um, required a lot more of a user interface. And I thought, great, we'll just reuse our, what we're doing here. We'll create a few extra routes, you know, server-side render this thing. It's working great. Boom. And yeah, we got slapped down real hard by the <laughs> Shopify <laughs> app review process. Um, and we also had a lot of go-arounds with them about their fee structure and mm. uh, some gray areas about, are we exempt from that? Do right. we need to run payments through Shopify or not? And it wasn't clear from their documentation and um, wasn't clear from our first few rounds of communication with mm. their, their customer service team. Uh, so that ended up being a lot more work and tied up a lot of development time because what you have to do, like I alluded to earlier, yeah. uh, you need to build a React app. And I really didn't want to bring in React unless it was necessary and then it became necessary. Mm. Uh, and you have to use a lot of their components because they want all the apps in the Shopify app store to look and function in similar ways. So there's good reason behind it. It just means if you're building a Shopify app, you really need to bite the bullet at the mm. beginning. And that would have saved uh, some pain. Uh, it ended up being that app review process was pretty stressful for me because it was a pretty critical feature for our users. That makes a big difference in how easy our platform is. And it was wildly out of my control uh, how long it would take to get through that app review process. So it's, good call, Dave. That is absolutely something I got wrong at the beginning. <laughs> one thing that was always interesting about sort of observing as this is going along and, and, and hearing all the updates from our devs and hearing updates from you is when people talk about app stores, right? They always talk about like the Apple app store, or the Google app store mm -hmm. or something like that. And it's like, yeah, let's, but you never hear people go, yeah, let me tell you about the Shopify app store, but it's, <laughs> yeah. you know. It... <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how many apps there are in the Shopify app store. I would guess it's in the 
tens or hundreds of thousands. There are quite and, a few. Yeah. Um, there, I will say their API is mm. fantastic. Um, any developer who's been around has seen a few different APIs and you all know the good ones and the painful ones and Shopify has got a good one. So we didn't really have any, any pain from that. Uh, their webhook supports great. Um, they're pretty easy to work with once you get all your ducks in a row, basically. But yeah. And once they, w- apps, it can be a trip. Once they wear you down and you realize, oh, I'm building a <laughs> React app. <laughs> Before you know it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think our first rejection email from them after, so you submit and then you wait because they yeah. actually manually review the mm-hmm. app. And um, you can see some activity like, oh, some weird test shop domain installed my app. They must be working on it. But it takes about a week to find out. And that first email I got back had like 19 things that were wrong. <laughs> oh. And some of them are minor, sure. like most of them are minor, but there were absolutely a couple like, well, I don't know how we're going to do that problems that we had to get over. Yeah. And then the cycle is you just keep fixing and resubmitting and you're hoping that you don't introduce any new regressions that they then catch in a future one. Uh, but I think we had to go through about three rounds of, of review. Uh, to make it. And then, of course, everything's on a timeline. So if you right. don't respond or if you don't resubmit your app within a certain amount of time, then you go back on the on the queue. Mm. Uh, so you have to prioritize that and make sure you get it out of the door efficiently, even if mm. you have to build a lot of new features. So Nathan, uh, Nathan Morgan built the React app for yeah. us and used Inertia on it. And it turned out great. There was just a, a big learning curve to climb for that. Yeah, and that, that la- sounds yeah that lack of um, real time feedback about like, am mm. I building this in a way that they're going to like at first? Right. I mean, I one thing I uh, you know I'm, I'm not a dev. I've worked with devs for a very long time now. One thing I, I learned early on is how important the um, the sort of like feedback process is. Right. Like the more mm-hmm. you can get close to real time feedback, the better. And in this case, it's mm-hmm. like. Uh, I think it's okay, but I'm like, I'm throwing this thing out there into the Shopify ether and you're just hoping that they, you know, you're like at first, you know, eventually as you get towards the end, you get a much better idea of what they're looking for. But at first you're like, I don't know, is this going to be okay? Yeah. Yeah. It's like reading tea leaves when you read the documentation. <laughs> you know, it's like, I think this is what they're saying. Yeah. And I think we can do it this way, but I won't know until someone reviews it. And then it's so subjective too. So you might right. get one develop one reviewer that, uh, interprets those tea leaves a little differently mm-hmm. than the next and you're just hoping to get through and we also at the same time we were working with shopify we were also pushing a an app for the boutique hub yeah. unrelated to hub enjoy but we were pushing a boutique hub app through the the apple and android app stores at the oh. same time so we were just in a world of app store approval <laughs> <laughs> i'm really glad those approvals are all behind us i have one more shopify app to build and I'll tell you what, I think it's going to go smoother this time because I'm just going to... Famous gonna last words. Oh, I can't wait <laughs> to right. ask you in a few months' time. So how did that go, Ben? Tell us. Well, I'll say, I think it's going to go better because I'm just going to use their bootstrapped React app okay. skeleton from the get-go. So I learned that lesson. Uh, and then we're going to go from there. So at least they won't be able to ding me for that particular uh area of problems that'll be 18 others yeah (laughs) you're right susanna wow i'm being too pessimistic i was feeling so (laughs) positive and confident oh i'm such a killer of joy i'm so sorry (laughs) i believe in you Uh, i know unfortunately unfortunately i think you're right that's the worst part so (laughs) no 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 don't listen to me don't listen to me Uh, it's gonna be great 
you know Shopify inside out nowadays, you know, like you say, API is great. You know what to avoid, I guess. Mm-hmm. You can read the leaves better than you could a year mm-hmm. ago. So, you know. It won't require any payment, so I can just avoid that whole entire mm-hmm. question altogether. That's good. All right, I'm good. feeling good again. Thank you. You're okay. right at that. I was going to say, Ben, <laughs> you've got this. <laughs> you've or, got it. Or I should say, whatever, whichever of your devs is working on this, they've got it. I don't know they- if you <laughs> No, that's going to be me this round. Oh, that's you. Okay. My, How is it? My Nathan Morgan. Yeah. I'll make it happen. You'll be, you'll be good. See, this is why I pair with Nathan, because I've seen some of this come together. I've reviewed all the PRs. I've got, I've got a lot more reference material for this <laughs> particular app than we had for the last one. So that should give you a leg up. Boost. Yeah, you'll be fine. So since you worked with Tyson for over a year, is there something that you adopted during our time together that you will take with you into the future? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I will just say that I straight up stole aspects of Titan culture, because I think that's one of the things that you all do a great job of. Um, I also really leaned heavily on um, on Keith and Dave and Matt when I was doing my hiring, like figuring out how should I go about hiring? How should I evaluate candidates? What should the process be? So straight up lifted that right out of the Titan, <laughs> the Titan world. Um, and so the kind of the composition and culture of my team, um, it was really easy to bootstrap that when I already had some existing team culture going mm. on with the Titan developers. Because mm. it yeah. really is um, like the Titan developers felt like they were part of my team, like we were in it all together. It didn't feel like there was a big wall between the organizations. Um, I felt like we were all in it together. And so it was really yeah. easy to have that hybrid culture at the beginning and then just morph it into like, well, this is how we do business at the boutique hub as well. Um, so pull request culture, etiquette around that, pairing etiquette, um, just how we conduct ourselves in meetings, that all just naturally flowed right out of our relationship. Um, and then, of course, all the knowledge that I was able to pick up um, from the early days, but also just like, you know, Titan has a repository of knowledge and experience. And one of my favorite things that I miss now uh, was being able to say, hey, can you guys ask around and see if anyone's run into apps? Like, what problem? <laughs> I, I could hear like the internal Slack clicking away yeah. and worrying and then coming back with, okay, here's here's something or here's what we found or someone used this package or whatever, Yeah, which is a fantastic like <laughs> I don't know how hard you sell that feature of working with Titan, mm. but it is it is a feature. Maybe we should it sell it harder. Yeah, maybe we should because yeah. I'll tell you what happens when that happens is I take that away, and then we have a couple different internal places where I might ask, and if I need to, I sort of poke Keith or I think about like what project have I worked on where we've done something like this, and I'll poke mm-hmm. individual devs who would know about it. Right. We also have uh, we have a tool intern that's internal to Titan called Ram. Uh, that we built uh, during kind of a, I don't know, it was almost like a hackathon-ish sort of thing, which we don't really ever do. But we had a, during uh, when when our 2020 onsite got canceled t- due to COVID, we sort of did an internal, hey, let's all like just hang out together online and take some time away and try to do some team building. And uh, we built the first sort of MVP of, of RAM, which is almost like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like a Q&A. It's like, it's like a Wikipedia slash Slack overflow-ish sure. kind of a thing, but it's just like, 
for Titan, like, oh, you can search, you can find stuff. Like, I've even contributed to, to, to mm-hmm. Ram. The only thing I've contributed is like- Look at you, Dave. It's really just how to, how to like use the command line to convert audio and, and video stuff into various bit rates, yeah. because that's the only, only thing I know how to do on the command line. <laughs> but <laughs> so I'll, you know, I go, I go in there and I, you know, sometimes I'll be like, hey, have we ever done anything about this? Yeah, you're right. It's like this whirring machine behind the scenes. And then it just go, hi, Ben, here's what we found. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's great. <laughs> Maybe you could sell that as a service, build a front end for it. Just like, you know, 50 bucks a month, access to the Titan machine. It's like a a paid, curated, much nicer, like updated Ask Jeeves, right? It's like Ask Titan. You sort of ask a question, it goes into this. Oh, that sounds good. It goes in this queue. Yeah. Ask Titan. We have an app. I think you are onto something there. We have have a (laughs) half-baked channel in Titan Slack where it's exactly for ideas like this. I might have to put the Ask Titan idea in there. Yeah, I think it should. We'll see what happens. Um, We have an internal channel called Squirrel Rodeo where we just throw all the squirrels. (laughs) An an idea that's uh, way out there that's going to totally derail us, but you have to put it somewhere. You have to talk about it somewhere. Oh, that's interesting. Goes in the rodeo. Squirrel Rodeo. Well, we have half-baked and then we have unpopular opinions, but Squirrel Rodeo is like sort of like it's a triangulation of yeah. those two kind of like, that's interesting. I like the idea of Squirrel Rodeo. Um, yeah, that's where you throw up your like ideas for new business. Yeah. Uh, like new directions or new features or new ideas that you're not sure if anyone's going to want it or if it's too out there. But you have to get it out. You have to Gotta say get it. it out. Yeah. Yep. And the best thing is you can tell people this is a squirrel. Put it in the rodeo so you can keep the rest of your world I, on track. I hope you have appropriate fun emojis to go along with this. <laughs> That's another thing I stole from Titan. The, the emojis like, oh, I like that one. So the worst part about collaborating with another team on on Slack yeah. is each team has their own custom emoji, That's but right. you can see them. Yeah. And I mentioned Marcy earlier. Yeah. Marcy she is a virtuoso she with is. the Slack emoji. That's right. And she has apparently the world's largest Slack emoji library <laughs> at her fingertips. And so she, we would drop, you know, just to keep things light and fun. Sure, sure. Like it was very common to have playful emojis happening. Right. And I couldn't use them. That's yeah. the worst part. So it's like, it's like the artwork behind the glass. You can't interact with it. You can just experience it, but you can't do it yourself. Ben, so I believe, stole a few that ben, I really needed to use. Believe it or not, one of our half-baked ideas for, because uh, we always like to do something for Laracon. You know, we did the, um, we, we did uh, some like, we did some games and stuff last time. Like we tried to do something. We've done typing tests in the past. Yeah. We had a half-baked idea to put together an emoji pack. But then we realized oh. it's such an inside <laughs> joke that like right. for mm-hmm. like 20 people, they're like, yes. Yeah. Ben Holman, you might, you might be one of them. Yeah. Um, ben, we are, we are coming uh, to the end of the time that we have today. But before we go real quick, is there anything that we didn't ask you that you wanted to, that you wanted to mention or talk about? Mm. You know, I just have to call out Anthony Clark because mm. I think I've name checked every other developer <laughs> on this project. And Anthony built a fantastic CSV import oh process. God. So if CSVs, you ever had to man. say, let's just import some CSVs. Mm-hmm. We'll just let them import CSVs. Yeah, sure. How hard can it be? How hard yeah, could it just be? Just get a package. <laughs> And the cha- it is hard. It is, a, <laughs> it is it's very difficult, even using libraries uh-huh. uh, to be able to accept CSVs of um, of different like headers and mapping columns and mapping values to your internal um, table schema and everything you got going on. Handling 
weird characters and huge files and processing them efficiently and giving good feedback about it. Um, Anthony built that, and I just wanted to call him up for that because that has consistently been one of the bits of feedback we receive from our, our users that our Excellent. CSV import works great. So appreciate CSV. every single developer on this project and so glad that I had a chance to work with them on it. I can't tell you how many of our projects at some point it's like, okay, so we're importing CSVs and we're, <laughs> we need to build forms in some way. We got a form builder and we've got a CSV import export. And you're just oh, like, yeah. oh my God, here we go again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Projects then, without boundaries. That's projects the issue without with boundaries. That. Like they're just yeah. like super open it. We'll just make yeah. it flexible. All yeah. right. How, how, flexible. How, you can do whatever you want. It's easy. It's easy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have an unwritten rule where I tell, I tell devs on projects I'm on. If I say things like just do that or how hard could it be? Or it's easy. Feel free to just, you know, all we have to do, all we have to do is this. Um, Ben, thank you so much for, for joining us. This has been uh, a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate it for folks who might want to know more about you, find you online. Where can they go? They can find me on Twitter at Ben Holman. This might be a little time capsule of a podcast episode. Yeah. We'll see if that Twitter, we'll see if that Twitter. (laughs) Yeah, we might have to rush to get this out sooner rather than later, for sure. Right. Under the wire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's been an absolute joy to talk to both of you. Thank you for yeah. having me on. It was great chatting with you again. Okay. We miss you. I think it's hard no, to say. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, ben, yeah. We, we, had a, we had a blast working with you. We really appreciate it. And we appreciate you being on the show. This is turning into a big love fest, which I'm sure everybody wants oh. to hear. <laughs> <laughs> love and cheese. Like, what else do you want? Come on. <laughs> love and cheese. They go together, <laughs> hand in hand. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it.